Hey there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 27. So we're two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We are real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Mitchell, how has your week been? It's been a good week this week. Super Saturday of rugby, three games to watch in one day. Um, got to watch most, uh, actually, yeah, all three of those, which was... Um, I was quite rugbyed out by the end of it, but um, yeah, it was good. Good Saturday. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And did you catch the Gordon game as well over the weekend? No, I didn't, unfortunately, but I saw the results. So another great victory for Gordon. That's um, undefeated again this year, and they won by another about 35 points or more. So um, yeah, they've just been, they haven't, no one's come near them this year. So they're doing really, really well. That's pretty incredible. That really is quite incredible. Well, um, I had a pretty awesome Father's Day. I got given, as you can see, this um, this retro jersey here that the Tars have put out pretty recently. They had a Father's Day sale going for it. And my little boys decided somehow without any of my prompting at all to get me this jersey. So I'm And they saved stoked. up for months to be able to afford it for you? They definitely saved months. <laughs> Five-year-old and ten-month-old definitely saved up all their pocket. Good on them. <laughs> So, mate, yeah, it was, it's been a really good weekend. I've caught most of both Aussie games, so I'm very keen to have a chat through those. Should you jump into the socials? Yeah, definitely. So give us a like or a follow, everyone. So we're on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Uh, we're on Facebook at the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast page. We're also on Twitter at, at pick underscore drive rugby. So give us a like Brilliant. and a follow on all those platforms. Go for it, everybody. So for tonight, three clear, actually four quick things. The first one is the regular spicy news that we hit up each week. Then very obviously, we're going to be talking about round 10 of Super Rugby AU, the, the final, final round. round. And I'm sure we'll manage to bring this back around to the Waratahs, even though they weren't actually playing, uh, particularly when we get to the Rebels Force game. But that is yet to come. Then we also are going to just touch on the North vs South game over in New Zealand. Um, basically, the All Blacks warm-up game or the selection selection game. Sort of a selection then, trial, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And then the final thing we should have a chat about is a bit of a prediction for next week's game, the first or the only uh, the semi-final. semifinal. Yeah. Cool. cool. That's it. Anything else you want to add in there, my friend? I don't think so. I think we're good to just dive straight into the news. Okay. Take us away, Mitchell, into the spicy, spicy news. Spicy news. All right. So first up, we're going to look at the domestic side of things. So um, to be fair, I actually haven't read this article. So what we're I'll looking at is um, potential <laughs> private investment in the shape of 2020 slash 2021 competition. So what we're basically seeing here is um, for anybody that follows the European game, you'll know that there's been a whole bunch of private equity investment into the Six Nations and the Premiership in the form of the company CVC that have put hundreds of millions of dollars into those competitions to buy significant stakes into them. And that's resulted in pretty significant cash injection for the clubs in the Premiership and blah, blah, blah. Now, there is some talk about potential external investment through companies such as CVC in Super Rugby. And that's obviously of interest considering the financial problems that um, they are, or Rugby Australia are having. But the other point is there was within this article, it was from the Australian actually a few days ago, um, there was a fair bit of information about the likely direction and shape of the upcoming competition. So with travel restrictions likely to remain in place 
in um, Australia and New Zealand for the next kind of four, five, six months. That means that the Super Rugby season, which this year kicked off in what February was it? Early Feb that it, it was kicked January off. January this year. It's the earliest. Yeah. Yep, so early since it's ever been in January. Well, it's going to be supposedly, it was meant to be kicking off around the same time, if not a little bit later in 2021. Um, but with the travel restrictions in play, that can't really happen. So the talk is that for next year, it's going to remain Super Rugby Aotearoa and then Super Rugby AU. And then any trans-Tasman competition, if it does get off the ground, a 10-12 competition, five Australian, five New Zealand, one... Argentinian like the Jaguares maybe and maybe a Sunwolf-esque team or a, or a Pacific Island team um, that will be coming up in 2022. So that's the suggestion from this article and with yeah it seems to be the the international travel has is not something that's been talked about at all yep. in the media so it sounds like a logical proposition that's being put forward for at least next year's season. Now does this link does this article link both the private um, ownership and investment also with the Super Rugby um, Trans-Tasman competition as well? The the article comments on the fact that that people like Fox Sports have actually been quite pleased with the modest Super Rugby AU's getting. Um, So Aotearoa had a lot greater ratings, mostly because the international prestige that like a news has because are justifiably a very very good um, team and competition yep and but but the the talk is that the au competition did better than expected and so the connection was made between potential opportunities for investment into whatever trans tasman competition looks like moving forward so maybe australia honors balance said we were at the start of the competition Mm, cool interesting i have um I'm very hesitant towards this whole private ownership thing though, um, particularly in Australian rugby, just because some of the things we've seen with this in Europe um, and that comes down to test windows and um, the club calendar, not aligning a hundred percent. And then the clubs then feeling like they own the players and not agreeing to release them back to, to play internationals. I just would not want to see that down here in, in Australia and New Zealand. I think that would be such a step backwards. Agreed. Agreed. So watch this space, but that's, I think what the prediction is regarding the 2021 season makes sense and is what we're likely yep. to see. Yeah. Yeah. It was such, we're in a cloud at the moment. We, the, this year is getting further and further along and we just haven't heard anything. Um, so mm-hmm. I really do think we're looking at another super rugby AU next year. And as we've said in, in past episodes, I'm not, I'm not disapp- I'm happy with that. Like I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. So yeah. That's good. Well, um, why don't we go straight then, if you don't mind, if I just take us here. You just said we haven't heard anything. You know what else we haven't heard anything about? <laughs> the broadcast deal. The, the broadcast. Yeah, the questions of interest were meant to be um, received by the 3rd of September, I believe. Which was um, last week. And we, yep, so late last week, and we just have not heard anything. Now, we're recording this on Sunday. It may well be that Rugby Australia comes out with a big announcement Monday or Tuesday. Um, so Hopefully, maybe we'll need to fingers crossed that we hear something. Videos, yeah, we'll see. Um, any, what, what are your thoughts on that one, mate? No news is good news. No news is bad news. Oh, look, I just, I think in the political landscape that we're currently in with COVID, we're not hearing anything in terms of business agreements across the board on in any front. So I'm not surprised we haven't heard anything. It's probably quite optimistic that Rugby Australia wants to get this sorted. I understand they want to get it sorted as soon as possible um, and sooner rather than later. But at the same time, like 
a lot of businesses are losing so much money at the moment. I don't know if there are any or that many um, broadcasters out there that have the spare cash to be able to pick up such a big license as rugby. So, Or that are willing to commit when they don't know what the shape of the competition that they're paying Yeah, for exactly. That's, that's another thing. There's so many like variables at the moment that we just don't know. We don't know what's happening at the end of the year. We don't know what's happening next year. So I'm not surprised we haven't heard anything. And mm. to be completely honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Rugby Australia hasn't got any deals. Like no one's given them an offer. And that could be that could be another reason why we haven't heard anything because they haven't got any anything. Or maybe they've had offers, but or maybe like they're still negotiating in a mm. communication about um, coming up with different options considering the lack of um, concrete plans for yeah. what next season. There's still negotiations about, okay, well, if it's this option, then that's what we'll pay. And if it's this option, then that's what we'll pay and so on and so forth. I imagine that would be a very, very complicated process to be talking through. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's massive. And we just don't know. I, I think we'll hear something this week, if not an announcement, at least an update. Yeah. So it has to be. Yeah, it has to be an update at this point. So, I, yeah, we'll see. I, I f- hope we see something. But it wouldn't be the first time that we have a Rugby Australia has just left everyone in the dark. So best uh, come, we hear something. Who knows? Um, before we dive into the international side of things, last point to, um, to finish off on the domestic. Oh, this kind of is um, international as well. But the Sydney Sevens have been cancelled in early 2021 and also the Hamilton Sevens as well. So due to the COVID concerns, they've had to cancel both of those tournaments. Um, I'm not too sure how many other tournaments in the Sevens world they've cancelled after that. But I would imagine that most of sevens tournaments next year would probably be cancelled because if we if they're not playing the early ones they're going to start pushing into the olympics territory and then that's where everyone's going to be pushing for anyway so yeah it may well be they just get rid of a whole bunch of the tours in order to provide space for the olympics and just focus on actually getting that done and dusted but i did hear that rugby australia is in the process of trying to uh, set up um, a pacific island competition a sevens competition to actually get the players playing something so that they're back into training and, and ready come time the 2021 Olympics rolls around or the postponed 2020 Olympics rolls around. <laughs> well, I hadn't heard that. That's really good news. Yeah. Um, why don't we head international? Uh, one other thing, we didn't write it down, but um, Will Harrison has signed on with the Waratahs. There's actually been a few signings this week that have come yeah. out off the top of my head. Will Harrison signed on until the end of 2022. I believe James Ram has signed on as well. I don't know if we announced that last week. Um, anyone to mind for you, Ando? No, I knew about Harrison and Ram, but I haven't, I can't think of other people. Uh, those two are definites. Yeah, cool. I think um, cool. there was someone at the Reds, maybe Paisami or... Anyway, there was someone at the Reds as well, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, that's fine. Let's move on to international. So in big news, this is, this is huge. Um, six uh, Pumas players, so Argentinian international players, have tested positive for COVID-19. Six. Yep. So they had just joined a training camp to prepare for two weeks prior, well, a two-week training camp to start preparations for their potential involvement in a rugby championship. And as a part of joining the camp, they obviously had to have a COVID test. And the six players all turned uh, returned positive tests and they were all asymptomatic. So they were healthy, they were fine, they didn't realise they had anything wrong with themselves. Um, and they all returned positive tests. And so they all had to go into the obvious, obvious mandatory two-week isolation period. Um, the whole team? Just, uh, no. 
Um, the six players, yep. definitely. Yep. Uh, the article I was reading did not indicate that the whole team had to. Um, and so it just shows that, I mean, any rugby championship um, that goes ahead, it's going to be really, really challenging. Like what happens if they are out in New Zealand or Australia or wherever the hub is and they have a positive test? Does the whole team have to go on, go into isolation? Yeah, they would. Um, I imagine they would. It's, Particularly it's in Australia, that's what we would be doing here. If one person in that team got came, came back with a positive, everyone have to quarantine for two weeks and it would just pause oh, that whole competition or call it off. It's, it's actually interesting, mate. I would have thought that, but being a teacher, um, I'm trying to think of how much I want to say here. <laughs> being a teacher who has had some experience with students <coughs> um, getting involved, like having positive tests or at least family members and stuff like that, you'd be surprised at how tight the definition of a close contact is and how many people you would have thought would have to go into isolation don't have to on the advice of New South Wales Health. Mm. Um, so I, I was initially thinking like you, well, if they're a teammate, they have to go into isolation, but it's actually not that um, broad in Australia, or at least in New South Wales. Yeah, so look, I just, I just wonder if, um, and I'm not talking from a knowledge background here, just sort of, sort of spitballing off the top of my head, but I feel like rug, a rugby team is a little bit more close contact than students at a school so i feel like if a player a player particularly comes down with it then most likely there's going to be other players that have it as well because they've been training together they've been in contact if they're in the forwards they've been scrummaging and mauling together it's such close contact um yeah well that actually brings into question whether the rugby championships are actually going to go ahead at all so even if we leave aside the fact that um south africa might be playing in the six nations not the uh, rugby championship. This just calls into question. Well, we'll uh... Sansa is is hoping to, or is their backup plan is to try and get Japan to come in and play instead of Argentina if they were to pull out. But even then, like a three te- a three team competition without South Africa in it is going to be pretty hard to do. And J- Australia to play Japan would be okay, but the All Blacks to play Japan would just be a decimation especially with the lack of continuity that the Japanese would have because they've been hit crazy hard with coronavirus as well. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't even know what the conditions are around a a team like Japan being able to pull their players together and come at such late notice. So, yeah, I think it really does throw the whole doubt on the whole rugby championship. We might just be looking at an expanded Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, that's what I've been reading, that it's likely it's just going to be a four or five game Bledisloe series that's going to go ahead. Please four. Please four. (laughs) Don't add any more. No. Let's do something else. Like, with, if, if, that, if that does go... To, even if we are looking at just playing New Zealand, I would love to see... Stick with a three-test series. Stick with the Bledisloe Cup and then try and do something different. So maybe swap forwards and backs and, and have like a, an ANZAC <laughs> competition. Or, and just course. do some weird stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I just... Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if we did something really, really unique like that, like putting the All Blacks forwards with the Australian backs or the vice versa, um, we'd see a better product than just playing five tests or six tests of Australia versus New Zealand. We'll probably yeah. have one or two competitive ones and the rest will be crickets. Well, mate, any other international news that you wanted to jump through before we move into the games? Um, no. Oh, no. Farrell got red carded. Again. Yes. Um, I saw that. That was massive. It was that horrific. That was massive. He's going to face got... some serious time for that the worst tackle technique in the world. 
He goes high, leads with the shoulder. This time he actually at least had his arms somewhere near the tackle. Um, he's just renowned for it. And people try and like all the English, many of the English fans try and defend him. And you're like, no, he's just a horrifically bad tackler and deserves nearly every card that he gets for that. Now, if I'm not, not saying more, he's a, if not a more. bad player, but he's a bad tackler. Yeah, he's a fairly decent and skilled player. But yeah, if, when you watch the footage for this one, there's no, I can't even fathom what he was trying to do. There's no he's, he's not drop. He's not dropping. He has no a slip. Because he's he jumped into the player's head. Yep. So yeah, he's it's going to be a lengthy ban. Yeah. And that's the thing. They, um, Saracens are coming up against Leinster soon in a couple of weeks and they need Farrell because Farrell is obviously one of their best players and he's going to get banned for like four to six weeks or something like that. Um, and maybe they can count some of the midweek games, whether the ban is like four or six games as opposed to four to six weeks. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Maybe he'll pretend that he's trotting out for a club team on a Sunday as well so he can get through three games in one week. <laughs> <laughs> get his ban done and, done and sorted in one week. Yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, I think that's really it. I don't think there's anything more we need to touch on. I think that's it. Let's move on into the Aussie games. All right, let's go. All right, time for some rugby talk now. So we're going to look at the last round of Super Rugby AU. So game one saw the Rebels hosting the Western Force in Newcastle. Um, This one was actually a lot tighter than I think a lot of people were expecting. Mm -hmm. So final score for this one was 34 to 30 to the Rebels. Um, And if you haven't watched this game, I would definitely recommend you do because it was quite it was it was a very good game and the the rebels scored in the very last play to win the game and um yeah I mean, what else what else do i say about it apart from, well they had about four cracks at it but anyway we'll get into that <laughs> in the chat <clears throat> let's yeah. go um let's look at the predictions so if we look at last week ando you said rebels by 10 i said force by three we had tim who said force by two mitch e said rebels by 12 we had um, Tom, who said Force by six, and then Carlos, who said Rebels by three. Jockeys for Carlos. He's one off. 34 Well 30. done. Game. Carlos is off by one. Well done, mate. Jockeys again. Well done. Claps for you. So, Ando, what, what were your thoughts around this game? I, um, I thought the Rebels were so close to just choking. And <laughs> yes, again... Yet again, just being perennial chokers that could never make it into the finals. They did everything they possibly could to lose this game. Um, and that's not to put anything negative against the force, but simply to say that the Rebels had multiple opportunities to seal the game in a final 10 minutes and bombed them, except for that final one. And even then, even then... Yeah, was, even um, then, you could uh, say that he dropped it. Yeah, uh, it was just... It was just a- farcical final try it it almost felt like watching it they felt bad for the rebels and so it kind of it it seemed (laughs) sitting at sitting it here watching it i thought that the officials in the game changed their approach to what they were looking at to go from how do we not award this to let's look at any possible way we can try and award this try because they initially were looking at the grounding which they said was short and so they called no try because it was short, he agreed that it was short, but then he decided to change what he said and look at the play on after that, which ended up being the try. 
Yeah, and it was an interesting one because he hadn't actually, the ref hadn't blown his whistle. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, the players had every right to play on, even though the force thought that the, it was like, not, I thought that either the ref had blown up or something, but the ref had not blown his whistle. The interesting thing is, I thought when the player drives it forward and it's short of the line and then the ball comes back and Elof picks it up and just puts it over after maybe two seconds of just people standing around, mm. I actually thought before it gets back to him that it hit his fingers. And I thought that there was a mini knock-on in there as I was watching it live, but nobody else seemed to see it. So I don't know whether I'm just blind. Or no, there's been a bit of talk about this. People also think that he dropped it when he went to ground as well. I wasn't convinced on that. I, I just thought there was a knock-on as the ball was coming back. He was definitely short. I've got to say he was definitely short because he was in front of the post. So, yeah, and it's a tough one because the outcome of the game means that the Rebels win and they also make it into the finals. Being a Waratahs fan, I didn't want them to score that try and I was rooting for the force in every, every single way possible, which I don't think I've ever done before. So that was fun. But yeah, like you could look at the, so many different things in that and find a lot of reasons not to award it, but they seem to go f- and award it. So yeah, it was, it's look, a tough one. I think if we just move away from that for a little bit, you and I had a really interesting back and forth um, on when we were texting each other during a game where um, we were just talking about Dave Vessels and we both have slightly different opinions. So I thought it would be pretty good <laughs> to genuinely just talk through that a little bit because, um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on Vessels as a coach considering how the Rebels only just scraped through? Oh, uh, look, I... I think Vessels has to go. I just don't think that he's a super rugby level coach and he's shown that in his time being a super rugby coach for, what is it, probably six years now? How many years was he at the force? And then he's had, what, three years at the Rebels now? Yeah, so it's about that. And he's not achieved anything. And at the he's pulled off a game here or there that's been a bit of an upset, which, you know, good good work, good on you. But the team that he's had last year and this year at the, at the, um, the Rebels should be a lot better than they are. And again, if they had lost this game, he would have no doubt he would have been sacked because he hasn't achieved anything. And he's got the cattle there in the team to be able to produce amazing tries out of nowhere. And they just don't seem to be able to pull things together. They kind of look leaderless in a way. Yeah, they seem to just have a lack of, I think it's almost perennial losers syndrome. They don't have the confidence that when the pressure is put on, that they have the systems and confidence to do the right things at the right time. Um, you have a couple of key people like Matt Tamua, Corabetti, and Dane Hewitt-Petty. They steady the ship and do the right thing. And even like Hodge, he did a couple of really horrible kicks. Um, yeah, that kick in the, I think it was about the kick. 70th minute where he's going for touch mm-hmm. and he just dribbles it yeah. out over the dead ball. What happened exactly. there? You couldn't do that if you tried. Yeah, it's just a massive shame. But like, that's exactly my point. You have these key players that you need to pull through um, for the team. And if these those key players don't perform, then they just fall to pieces. Mm. And I just think the Rebels this entire season have um, basically held on to Matt Tamua's like, shirt and yep. he's like dragged them over. Yeah. It does. It, it really has felt like that, hasn't it? That's a very yeah. good analogy because that is that sums up their season. They yeah. had that draw against the, the Reds in round two and they should have, should have done something more with that extra time and they didn't. They played the force last time and went to extra time as well. 
they somehow mm-hmm. beat the Brumbies in the very, very horrible conditions in the wet. Um, and they did play well. Credit to them. They did play well that game. They thumped the Tars, Sydney. They did play well then mm-hmm. as well. But they, they should be playing a lot better than they are with the players that they've got. And yeah. if you look at the force in this game, you can understand the mistakes that they're making. I thought the force did very, very well in this game. And this, was, this showed that they're the team that was trying to... Um, they were playing with passion now and they just wanted to try and get one up on the on the rebels and and sort of stick it to them and i i was really impressed with their performance they stuck so close to it and were leading for most of the game um but yeah when you look at the force you can understand the simple mistakes they make because they don't have the players there so um in the 75th minute the force get a penalty and oh no i don't think it was a penalty i think it was just in open play um nick frisbee picks the ball up at the back and kicks it long but it goes out on the full. So the lineup comes back to where he kicked it, which was in his own half. If he had kicked that out, not gone out on the full, it would have been a lineup in the Rebels' um, own half and that would have changed the outcome. But what ended up happening was they then got the ball in the fourth half and then just stayed there the whole rest of the game. I think they went over the try line three times and had three tries disallowed before they finally got that yeah. last one down. And I mean, there's a couple of interesting points that you could say about the Force too, insofar as they're, like, you look at the kicking statistics and, I mean, if you, if you watch the game, you would know that the breeze was horrific yeah. at the game. But Matty Tamua had, a, had 100% kicking success and Ian Pryor has 67%. If Pryor kicks his kicks, the Force win. Um, and, and this is the first game this year that that's come down to as well. There's been yeah. multiple games this year where the, they've missed, they've left a lot of points on the field through kicking. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to break it down to something as and simple as oh, Ian Pryor lost the game for the for the force. He definitely no. didn't. But it's those kind of small things that, when the force are already up against the pump in a lot of ways because of the composition of their team and the hardships that they're playing under because of their travel and isolation requirements. Although a lot of them are for the hit, uh, impacting the rebels too, um, they just need to be doing as much as they can and the basics to uh, help themselves over the line and simple things like kick percentage has to be improved um how good that will come that will come though yeah true this is their first season together yeah Yeah. they've played Um, nine games or eight games or something yeah go yep andrew ready he had an absolute killer game in my perspective yeah i i was impressed i don't actually remember him i didn't see the first half i only saw the second half or probably from the 45th minute um, where it's when I was really paying attention. Um, <laughs> scored in the 40th and the 44th minute. What was that? Uh, Reddy scored in the 40th and the 44th minute and you started watching from the 45th minute. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's why I'm like, he had an awesome game and you're like, yeah, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you I'm talk good. about it then. Go. Yeah, well, basically, Reddy, um, he has just been somebody that has brought so much experience to the to the team and he obviously played with a whole bunch of passion i'm thinking whether he knows maybe he's not getting another contract for next season because he's getting a bit older now um and he just was playing with energy with enthusiasm his line out throwing was accurate his control of the ball at the back of the mall was strong and the force have a really good driving mall um so he just showed up in my mind, um, Ulysses, actually, to begin with. And I was, yeah, just really, really impressed with him overall. But, yeah, that's just me. Yeah, cool. Okay. No, I'll take that. I um, Yeah, I, I missed the first half. So, two two tries to a hooker. Well done. Were they off malls? Yeah. 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 
cool. Awesome. No, that's good. I um I thought the uh, we're gonna say this again. It's a bit of a um bit of a hoodoo we're saying, but I didn't think Angus had a great game. That referee. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know what has happened to his performance this year, but he's just sort of gone off, gone missing. The yellow card that he gave to the force player in the th- probably 70th minute or just under um, was just beyond me. We were texting about it at the time and you, you thought it was yeah. justified, but far out, man. Like what ended up happening was there was a, the Angus blew his whistle um, to, or did he, was it a, did, it, did the play stop? And then he stole the ball or he's no, come over the top and he was on the ground or, the rebels, the rebels have made a made a break, and yep. the force have kind of chased it down. And Lee Warner, I'm pretty sure it's Fergus Lee Warner. Um, he has come into the ruck and is doing what all kind of back rowers try and do, or at least um, forwards try and do, and slow the ball down off after the break. And he basically gets tackled or put into a position where he shouldn't be competing for the ball. I can't remember if he's got a knee on the ground or he's off his, like he's, he, he's technically off his feet. I think he had still, his hands on the ball and then he got cleaned out, but he just held on. So he ended up taking the ball with him yeah, and completely yeah. disrupting and it. He basically, and the reason that was given for his yellow card was because he has made a cynical foul, which um, it was a cynical foul. And I don't know the right term, the correct terminology yeah. is, but it's, it's slowing down the ball after a, after a break and a pretty strong attacking opportunity. So it was a cynical nature of the foul that leads to the yellow card. And I think if it hasn't happened in the 70th minute when the Rebels are chasing the game, he probably wouldn't get carded. But I think the t- position of the game, the position of where the scoreline was and at the time of the game with like 70, 71 minutes remaining or maybe even a little bit later than that, it just meant that there was an added level of cynicality to it. That's even yeah, I, I don't agree with that. Look, um, I understand what you're saying. I can, I can see that those points, but at the same time, they weren't guaranteed to score and they didn't end up scoring from it. I could understand if he took a player out, if, he, if it was in the process of obstructing a try, that's fair enough. But there was other force players that were back. If they played the ball quickly, there was no guarantee they were going to score. Now, when the game is so tight, he's, he's done something wrong. I get it. It's a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but it far, the impact that the force have to play the rest of the game without a player far outweighs the fact that he's knocked the ball out of, um, yeah. out of the breakdown. I, I think it's too harsh a penalty. It's like giving someone a red card um, in the 10th minute for, for doing a repeated, um, repeated penalties. It, it, yeah, okay. The outcome that it has, it basically meant that the, the force... It pushed them out of the game. I thought. Yeah. I just. And I, I just didn't what you agree. I just didn't agree the, with it. The part I really enjoyed was how the rebels still sucked and crumbled, despite the fact they had the one man advantage for the last like six, seven minutes of the game. That was just funny to watch in my mind. Um, now, one of the things I just wanted to think, talk, maybe briefly about because we've natted on for a little bit about this game already, yeah. is just I'm really not sure that Vessels actually knows his best backline. Um, I think as a result of injury, partly as a result of um, just chopping and changing, I really wouldn't be able to name you the starting 9 to 15 for the Rebels that will be taking the field next week. Um, I think that having Deegan and Tamua at 10 to 12 actually has worked really well for them previously. Mm -hmm. But 
he has a strong preference for Billy Meeks at 12 and then Tungawa back at 10. But everyone says that Shamu... Yeah, but I, I didn't think that Deegan played well for the t- against the Tars last week at 10. Yeah, I don't but think Matt so. But Tamua plays well, plays well wherever he plays. Yeah, I still think he's better at 12. Yeah. Um, oh, my yeah. thought yeah. is that there's just been so many changes that you're having that issue of continuity with the players around you. And I wonder if that's some of the reason why the Rebels' backline seems to not um, perform to the level that we all think it should. Because when you've got players like Kurabedi in there, Tamua, Dane Haylett Petty, sometimes Reese Hodge, well, I mean, um, Hayley Petty was back this week for the first time for a number of weeks. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do think that the players like Corabetti and Tamua stand up and show their worth in this in this backline. Corabetti just always seems to find space when he's got his hands on the ball and he's always making meters. Um, yeah. Same same thing goes with Matt Tamua. When he gets the ball, he just straightens up the attack so well and he's feeding the other players into into holes and into gaps and... He's just dispersing the ball really, really well. I don't think those other players in the back line, um, uh, Billy Meeks, um, Campbell Magne, who else is there? Uh, Andrew Kellaway. I just, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not really doing much, those guys. Deegan as well. Yep. Well, uh, anyway, I think it'll be interesting to see what the team is um, gets put out next week, whether there are many changes or not, or whether the Rebels try and go for a bit of continuity. I think we do need... I just want to quickly say, one congratulations to the Rebels for getting yep. to their first preliminary final, um, or at least their first final series. I think there might be some people out there who would say it's not a real final series because it's not a real uh, Super Rugby oh, competition. That, I wouldn't say. That really tease me off when I see that on social media. I saw <laughs> someone say on um, rugby.com.au put the highlights up uh, just after uh, later on in the afternoon and someone's commented on it. Well, you know, they're the, they're the third team out of a five team competition. There's no victory there. That was one. And then the other person said, if this was real super rugby, they wouldn't be there. I'm just like, get your head out of the sand. Come on. Why are you being, why are you commenting on, rugby.com.au and following them if you're going to have such a negative outlook on things first of all but yep. it, it's what it's the world we're living in and this is the world we're, we're going forward the fact is that they made it and they've done well and they've done it for the first time don't take it away from them by saying silly things like that it just Look, really I mean, tees me off huge part of me that agrees with you but then if i was close mates with a rebels fan you know that i would be using that to rub it in their face if i ever needed to <laughs> <laughs> I mostly agree with you, but if it's for banter purposes, then yes, I would be using. Um, now, conversely, for the Western Force, congratulations on being so competitive across large parts of the competition. Yeah. Um, I do not mean that in a disrespectful way at all. I think there is a lot of goodwill and gratitude, which is kind of being sent the way of the force for their involvement in this competition. And yeah, yeah, thank you so much for all that you've done. And I hope that, I wonder if they fight, they probably would have flown home already. I would imagine. Yeah. And I really hope that those moments of spending time back with the family back in Western Australia um, are sweet and momentous and that the two, I'm assuming they'll have to do a two two week quarantine as well. I hope that that flies by and as positive as possible. So thank you everybody at the Western Force for all that you've done. Um, it's been great having you involved and I'm really looking forward to having them back again next season. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this team develops because they've built the framework now and, and they'll just start to get better from here. So 
it's been good. It's, and the fact is they've got, they've had heart and they've had courage and they've held in there when it gets tough. So we haven't had cricket scores put on against them, which was very, very likely at the beginning of the year when we sort of started talking about including them in, we thought that we'd be having sort of like a shoot shield um, barbarian side put together, but they've done really, really well. And the fact they pushed the rebels so far this week was great to see. Yeah. Well, why don't we move on to the other game? Well, before, just week. before we move off this one, you didn't say your little bit before about vessels. You threw me under the bus and, and let me have my oh, rant no, about. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, that was not intentional. I apologize. Um, what, what's my, your thoughts? My thoughts on vessels are, like, I just feel for the guy. Um, I In what I way? He's a person that desperately wants the Rebels to do well, much like any professional coach obvious, so obviously does. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm never the person that's going to be cutthroat. I, I could never work in, you know, those like people that fire, that their role is to the, fire. The people. HR, the, yeah, the, I could, I could yeah, never yeah. Be the executioner. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm too like, um, I'm too empathetic or something like that. But remember when Morgan Tiranui on Type 5 a few yeah. weeks ago came out and said that he thinks the vessel should be um, let yeah. go at the end of the season? And even he was saying, he's like, I'm somebody that's worked down at the Rebels. Yeah. I know David. I know his family. Like, I'm friends with him. Yeah. I exactly. Him. I just think that he should move on. That's kind of how I feel. But at the same time, when people are coming out with these fairly, um, I don't know, I'm not like, they just say, nah, he sucks. He should go. He's done nothing. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, hang on. Let's just take a step back. <laughs> let's just take a step back and um, be a bit nicer to the guy about it. No, I, can- I, I do. I agree. I understand what you're saying there. I don't agree. Sorry. I understand what you're saying there. But <laughs> when you look at the teams that he's coached over the last six years in super rugby, he hasn't achieved anything. They've never made the yeah. finals before. And it's taken this small, this shorter competition to, to get up and, and get on there. And being my Waratahs fan as it is, you could also say that the Waratahs very truly deserve to be there as well as the Rebels. Like either team could have got there. It's a flip of the coin, how it came down to it at the end. They, they, don't, they, don't, um, they don't seem to be... Like he doesn't seem to be pushing them and, and achieving good results. When we did our preview of, the, of the, this competition, we thought that they were going to be a lot better than they were. It, yep. Conversely, the Waratahs did a lot better than we thought. So that kind of goes to show the level the Waratahs have in their coaching to the Rebels. Look, and I think we can probably just wrap up this mini conversation by simply yeah. saying, I agree that Vessels has underperformed or the force have underperformed and Vessels needs to take responsibility for that. I think that that probably means that he should be moved on. Yep. Um, I would just be wary of people who are expressing it in terms of he sucks, get rid of him, cut him um, because that's like bleeding heart. So oh, that's, okay. that's... <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, let's get into the second game of the week. Yeah, so game two saw the Reds host the Brumbies up in Queensland on Saturday evening after the North first South game. Um, so picks wise, Ando, you said Brumbies by, t- uh, sorry, you said Reds by seven. I said Brumbies by 10. We had Tim with Brumbies by three, Mitch E with Reds by three, and Carlos with Brumbies by 10. So, so the final score was 26 to seven to the Reds. So that means Reds by 19, which means my pick of Reds by seven is the closest. I mean, it's not, it's not particularly close. 
but it's the closest. It's a it's a golf clap. Isn't yeah, that what we decided? The golf claps for the yeah, you got it right, but you weren't uh, close enough. I think if if we're still going with the chockies thing, these are like a bunch a pack of chockies that you've left out on the counter overnight. <laughs> you get back to them in the morning and they're pretty stale. And you know it's not going to taste very good, but you still eat them out. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Yum. 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 Let's actually get to the game because the Reds, I think they came out surprise victors, particularly in the nature of the victory as well. Yeah. Look, this, um, this year, the Reds and the Brumbies have been very tight in their, in their game. So when the Reds played the Brumbies at the first pre-Super Rugby AU in the first Super Rugby original tournament, it went down to, oh, I can't even remember what the score was, but it was pretty close in that game. Um, and that was played in Canberra and the Reds could have won it and were doing quite well, but then let it go. We get back to the first round of Brumbies versus Reds in Super Rugby AU again in Canberra and the Brumbies kick a penalty on full time to win the game. And now we come up to, to Queensland and in Brisbane when the Reds are playing at home and they pull this performance out and they do really, really well. I just have been really impressed with the, the growing maturity of the Reds. Ever since that Waratahs capitulation, I think they've been the form team that has been consistent over the last few rounds. Yep. And I think if they were to play the Brumbies next week, so the Brumbies didn't have a bye, then I would be tipping the Reds to be coming away with winning this competition. Um, I think the, the, the Brumbies having the week off now is really going to benefit them to fix up many of the issues that they uh, had. They were just, yeah. the Brumbies were poor. They, they were, were so off, weren't injured. they? Were they just off? Yeah. It, just, yep. it just seemed like they were, I think it was a mental thing. Yep. I think that they've 100%. thought, you know, we've, um, we've made the final, we've got the home, the home final, we've secured that. Let's just get through this. We'll do our best, but we're, we've already got the final to look forward to. And they kind of were on autopilot because they made so many mistakes that was very uncharacteristic of this Brumbies team. The Brumbies conceded 28 turnovers to 15. And so many of those were just drop balls, like hardly under pressure at all. Mm. Um, so many of the uh, Brumbies' mistakes were off just backline moves where they play it out the back and a player that's receiving the ball out the back just just dropped it cold. Like Ire Simone dropped a couple of them. Um, a whole bunch of little flick passes. Tavita Kurunjani knocked the ball on over the line after one of the best plays in Super Rugby AU. Like I mean, you've got to give credit as well to um to Tate McDermott for that because he chased him down and and made the ta- made the hit as he was diving over. So yeah, he- look, there there is credit to that, but also you Tavita Kurunjani, you've got about forty kilos on him. Um, you should the be able to ride that. Yeah, like you Definitely. should be able to ride that and just get over the line. Yeah. Um, on that note, I actually thought Kurandrani, uh, obviously the Brumbies as a team, as a unit, didn't perform to the level that they would expect of themselves. But I actually thought Kurandrani was not as good as I was hoping him to be. I thought he was quite poor. He um, missed a, a tackle on Campbell in the build-up to, I think it was Wright's try. Yeah, the um, first try. Yeah, he drops off a tackle on Campbell. Um, he drops the ball over the line. He got bumped off by Patea a couple of times whilst trying to make tackles on him. And he's a much bigger man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Which says two things. Number one, TK may not be in form. And number two, Patea is bloody good. <laughs> oh, he is. He is good. 
So he's good. Um, so yeah, I just thought Kundrani was not as good. Um, and if you're doing a direct head-to-head comparison, Battle of the Thirteens, Patea came out miles ahead. In that yeah, game. yeah, definitely. I think um, in this game, the Brumbies were quite shocked. I think that the Reds got out to such a lead, and it kind of seemed like they, they their head and their hearts just didn't seem to be in it that they never looked like being able to claw that lead back. And this is not the Brumbies team that we've seen this year. So um, normally they get out to quite a, a handy lead themselves and score a try or score some points or just make some uh, some ground and, and make momentum early on in the game, where in this game, the Reds just took control of that and were the dominant team all the way through. And they didn't seem to be able to adapt to that. This is the first time this year, I think, we've seen this Brumbies side that were on the back foot and weren't the dominant team on the park. And they don't have that experience to be able to identify where the errors were and, yeah. and to change that on the fly, which I think was well, really interesting. That, yeah, we saw that. I, we, I think we have seen that against the Rebels when they went down 30-12. That's true, actually, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it seems that if a team is able to put them off their game early, uh, then the Brumbies are struggling to adapt to that change. And... Yeah, I think um, a couple of other points I just wanted to make about the game. Well, is one of them. Jock Campbell is bloody good. And <laughs> he, I know it's a very insightful analysis right there. And um, what I'm loving about him is him at 15. If you put him at 11, just don't. Uh, he's just, either don't do at 15, just don't do it. He's either at 15 or he doesn't play in my mind. Um, because his involvement coming late into the attacking plays is brilliant. So, for example... Um, uh, Chris Feo Sotia's try came off an absolutely beautiful backline play where there was a scrum over on the kind of left-hand side of the field. They shifted out the back, goes to O'Connor, and then they used Dungunu and Patea as kind of decoy runners in the midfield to hold the midfield, and they play it out back to Hamish Stewart. Mm-hmm. And then Hamish Stewart receives it out back. Tom Wright totally misreads it and jams in up on Hamish Stewart Stewart rather than sitting out and staying on Campbell. And Stewart just pops it out right before Tom Wright is able to hit him. And Stewart just runs through, plays it out to Feo Sotia, who just strolls over for a try. And the beauty of that came from um, using your two strike runners to sit the inside defence and then playing it out the back to Hamish Stewart, who's just picking out Campbell. Campbell's ability to join the play at a late stage to overload that side of the fence is awesome. And it's not that it's not that surprising for a fullback to do that. He's just making it look easy and is a really dangerous runner at the meantime as well. Um, so I'm quite pleased with his progress. And I think he's actually better than Tom Banks at this point in time on current form. Yeah, I've been um, quite disappointed in Tom Banks' performance over the last few rounds. I just feel like he's off the pace at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he's come back from that foot injury and I just wonder if it's not actually fully healed or something like that. You know, like that he's definitely not as good as he was at being in the season. Yeah. And like that, it must be due to that injury, surely. It just, yeah, it's just, I'm not sure what it is. He just doesn't seem to be able to recover and he's just not making a case for himself pushing for the Wallabies at the moment. Yeah, I like if you're picking Wallabies 15s right now, I'm not saying Campbell is a Wallabies 15. I don't think he is. Give him another seat. Um, but Wallabies 15s, you're probably going Hale Petty, maybe Maddox. Probably but Hale, Hale Petty doesn't also have the game time either. Not right now. You're right. Not right now, but give him, give him a couple more weeks. I mean, he's obviously got one more game and maybe the grand final. 
Um, but at least Hale Hale Penny's got runs on the board from an international level. Yeah, and if exactly. you're going to use players in the back line, you want your nine, ten, twelve, fifteen to be yeah. strong. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. Yeah. What um. Yeah, I was really impressed with the Reds. I, I've I've fancied this team this year. I thought they played really well. They've only had that one game uh, against the Tars, so they kind of fell fell off it. Um, they started off a, a bit slow when they played the um, the Rebels at Brookvale Oval. Um, but yeah, they've come home really strong, and I think they're going to make a good run to the finals. I don't see the Rebels putting up much of a, a fight next week, particularly in Brisbane. I think this team is is pumped and ready to go, and they're just their backline's firing everyone's gelling really, really well. And as we said in the last game, the Rebels' backline is just lost at the moment. The combinations just don't seem to be there. So I, I don't think... I, I just I can just... And the, the forward pack that the Reds have as well, like they're, they, they're monstering... Tupo's just monstering anyone he comes up against. And that basically wins you penalties and wins you the scrum. So, they're, like, they're doing... Did you see the news that's come out from Dan McKellar where they're trying to put in a bit of misinformation about Tupo? So the accusation that's coming out is that um, actually Tupo's not the one that's being dominant at scrum time. It's because he keeps going down, not because the opposition tight head is yeah opposition tight head. yeah 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 opposition tight head is hinging. Although Scotty Sear did do that on a couple of occasions um it's because he's packing his with his feet too far back so he's not able to support his weight so as he drives forward he ended up losing his feet and it looks like the tight head is hinging down whereas actually it's because tupo is not supporting his weight enough so when he gets that drive forward he actually overextends and then collapses yeah and it paints a different picture now i think that's a bit of gamesmanship from the brumbies and dan mckellar to in preparation for what they are predicting is going to be the grand final. Um, but it, it is an interesting one. I did notice during the game how far back Tupo packs with his feet. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to have a look at. And I'd like to see some people who know scrums better than I do do some analysis. Yeah, no, that. I agree with what you're saying. And if I, I need to go back and watch it and, and have a look. The only thing I would say in this is that I don't think the referees this year have been refereeing or officiating the scrums well enough to pick that up. They don't seem to be officiating the scrums well at all this season. When anyone goes down, they blow it either way. It just sort of, it's, it's a flip of the coin at the moment. And I don't think putting those things out there is really going to change that much. Um, Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it does have any effect. I need to go back and see if Tupo is doing that with and setting so far back. But I can understand what he's saying and it makes sense. So it's interesting. I wonder if I wonder if we start a hashtag or we think of if anybody can think of a, a good hashtag to kind of get going about this. Like if you think of the 2015 World Cup with Joe Marler, who wasn't scrumming straight, and I think it was Brett Mackay actually started the hashtag scrum straight scrum straight Joe. And he then gets penalized a bunch of times in a game against Australia for not scrumming straight. I wonder and it gets subbed. Yeah, and then get subbed straight after. It's brilliant. Um, I just wonder if somebody should do one with like a feet under Thor, or it doesn't have the same ring to it, but like see if there's a way that you can toe toes. What about stand tall Thor? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, maybe. We need we need something like that just for this. Um, so anybody out there, if you have any ideas, let us know. But you may well want to yeah send us through a hashtag, and we'll we'll just have a bit of fun with that. Awesome. Uh, one last thing we'll say before we wrap this game up is what's the go with the wingers in the Reds at the moment? This mean? has been the third game this season now where the number nine has ended up playing wing at the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. We saw Malula um, do it once or twice this season. 
And now in this game, um, Tate McDermott ended up playing on the wing at the end. So like, what's going on there? Have they lost depth in their wingers? Is Brad Thorne not um, putting enough replacement on the bench? Well, he's got a 5-3 split. So the bench backs for the weekend were Moses Sarovi at um, 21 and Bryce Hegarty and Hunter Paisami. And I think, like, I just disagree with having Hunter Paisami on the bench. Like, he's a 13. You either start him or he's not in the squad. Yep. Um, and then you have a scrum half, you have a back three cover, and you have Bryce Hegarty who can slot in at 12, 13, or in the back line. He's like a utility back. Um I just, I mean, I don't rate Hegarty that highly compared to some of the other specialist players, but he is, he is a de- decent utility back at super level. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's happening with the rest of the wingers, but all I know is that the composition this week meant they didn't have somebody that could play wing on the bench. Mm-hmm. Hegarty is not, he's basically fullback or... But he um, could play it. I mean, if you've got Tate McDermott playing wing, you could, any, like anyone could play wing. I could play wing. You just got to run and catch the ball. Put Tupo out there. How good would that have been? How good? Just for the last like 10 minutes, put Tupo on the wing. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. That would be pretty fun. I would pay to watch that. Uh, did you like his dummy and then break? Um, I was it second half, about like six, something like that. <laughs> um, he does his, he gets a ball out wide because they've been playing him in the wider channels. And he does his like a massive dummy that changes absolutely nothing, but there was a hole in front of him anyway, so he just ran through it. <laughs> I just love watching him play. Just the stuff that he does. He's just hilarious. Yeah. Just watching him in the, around the field. And then when he gets when he gets subbed, when they show him on the sideline, he's always doing these little like hand things to the camera. Yeah. These little like I don't know if they're TikTok dances or what they are, but he's doing something crazy. It's just he's just <laughs> cracks me up every time I see him. All right, mate. Well, I think that wraps up our chat on these games. Are you happy with with all that? I am. Let's move into the North versus South game. All right. Let's go. Cool. Uh, so I'll lead us into this one. So this game was meant to be played two weeks ago and it got postponed due to the outbreak of COVID in New Zealand. And what it is, it was played this weekend. So it was the, I guess, the filler of the sandwich that was Super Saturday. So we had the two Super Rugby AU games first and after this one. And this one was kicked off at five o'clock. Now, what it was, it's essentially their version of um, State of Origin. So they call it North versus South being North Island versus South Island. And it was determined on eligibility of where you played your first club rugby. Either meant you played for the North Island or you played for the South Island. It ended up being a really, really tight game. It was won by the South. Final score was 38 to 35. Ando, did did you catch this one? I didn't catch the full game. I've watched the highlights of it. So why don't you just talk through us a bit and I'll give a couple of points. I don't think we should spend too much no. time on this game because we've focused on Aussie rugby over the last few weeks. So yep. what were your just general thoughts? Just before I dive into that as well, just so everyone knows, there has been announcement of the All Blacks 35-man squad that's going to lead into the rugby championships if it goes ahead later this year. We're not going to dive into that this week. We've only got one game to cover next week. So we thought we'd look at the uh, the All Black squad then and talk about who we're happy to see there, all those kind of things, combinations and that sort of stuff. So we will cover it. We're just not going to do it this week. But back to the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one was um, one word to describe it, seesaw. Yep. If that makes sense. So it just, it was... One team scores, the other 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 team scores. It's just back and forth. It was a very exciting game. There was a lot of good tries scored, a lot of um, good rugby on display. But I've got to say I was, and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I got a little bit bored watching it. And it felt a little bit, it was unusual because there was no crowds there. 
and because they were just wearing their um, white and black jerseys, it sort of seemed like just a training run. Kind of felt like we were just yeah. getting access to um, a warm up, like a captain's run or um, an All Blacks uh, training exercise on a Wednesday afternoon. I mean, essentially that's what it was. The purpose of having this competition was to see who was going to make the 35 man squad for the All Blacks and to test some combinations and to test players against each other. Um, I think what is pretty telling is the high score. I mean, if you listen to the um, recent interview that Morgan Turinui and Ben Kimmer did with Benny Darwin about some of his statistical analysis or data analysis around the concept of cohesion, the telling factor of a team's cohesiveness is the defensive... um, defensive You have listened to that one now. Good, good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We'll talk about it next week, I reckon. Um, And so one of the things he said is that if a team gets lots of points scored against them, then a big part of the issue can be put down to the lack of cohesion Mm -hmm. within their team. And so if a team is able to defend effectively and deny the opposition throwing points, then you're seeing that often as an indicator of the cohesiveness of the team playing together. And so a high scoring game like we saw with North vs South is just an indication of the scratched together nature of the competition. Well, not the competition and the team. Yeah, the tournament or the game. Yeah. You have these um, moments of brilliance because the Kiwi players are really skilled and they are very, very good players but they're made to look that way because of the lack of defensive integrity. In. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, that's where attacking skills come to the fore when the offensive integrity is not as strong. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. It was a good game. There was a lot of, there was a lot of out there and a lot to watch. It just kind of lacked a bit of atmosphere to me. It didn't feel like watching a state of origin league game. It didn't feel like that yeah. to me. Um, whether that be because there wasn't crowds there, I don't know because I'm an Australian and I'm not, all that invested either side. I kind of was going for the North just because it looked like a better team on paper. But yeah. then the South ended up winning it. Um, How good was the final try, mate? That, was awesome. <laughs> it, that just basically, it sums up the game though, doesn't it? Like it was that tight and it came down to three points in it at the end that they were in line to score next because they had, they had their hand on, on the ball. Like they had the ball. So um, yeah. I think it's, it's got merit. It's a, it's a good... It's a good idea to have something like this. I would like to see it fleshed out a little bit more in future um, to see it sort of develop into something more like State of Origin to play this as a sort of a three-test series um, in the future because, yeah, it was good to have as a one-off, but it just, it it sort of lacked a little bit, I think. Well, mate, I'm happy if that's our chat about this game. Was there anyone, were there any players that that stood out to you whilst watching the highlights or? Look, for me, just Will Jordan and partly it's because of his final try. Um, this, although to be honest, the kick to go across for that takes a lot of guts to put out. Oh, there. that's Moanga though. You've got to put that down to him. Yeah, if he if he um stuffs up that kick, it's not pinpoint accurate. Then what that that just gives away possession and the game is over. So to have the Cajonas to be able to place that kick and actually pull it off, both from the kicking itself and the Will Jordan's Air Jordan moment, um, it was just awesome. I think but that, that me, is also what in, in saying that, I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me was it was good to see that this was kind of happening. We've got the players playing, but it didn't really feel like they were actually pushing or playing for something like, no, right. I don't feel like either team was really out there to win. There was a, probably a few players that were pushing to try and get their name in the all black squad, but the majority of people that were on the, on either team, were going to be included in the squad anyway. There's yep. there's been a handful of players that have 
played well in this tournament, in this game and have then been included, which we'll go into next week. Um, but yeah, I just didn't feel like either team was really... Like this wasn't a World Cup final or a decider of a Bledisloe Cup. If it was, you wouldn't be playing that last play like that. Yeah, it's probably a reflection of the fact that the Super season got cut short because um, they weren't able to really play the last round. And that this is a cobbled together concept. It's the first time it's been played in a very, very long time. 2012 um, was the last time it was played. Yeah, and so it's just... All, I think all the criticism that you're levelling at it is may, may well be fair. I hadn't seen the whole oh, game. Not, so. No, I thought it was good. It was great to watch. It was great rugby. It was good that it was on Fox Sports. Um, I'd like to see it again in the future. It was good to see. It was... But yeah, it was... It was it was what it was. It seemed a bit meaningless. It was, is that what you were kind of thinking? Yeah, just a little bit meaningless. It didn't really feel like anyone was kind of the real victor there. And uh, uh, maybe that's just because we're Australians as well. So. <laughs> maybe. Well, mate, why don't we shift across to our chat about the games um, of uh, the final next week? Let's do it. All right, cool. So basically next week you have the, what is it? The preliminary final? Is that what it's been Semi-final, called? Semi-final, I guess. I'm not sure what they're calling it. Either way, you have the second and third place to play off and it's going to be the Reds hosting the Rebels. So the Rebels are going to be um, doing a fly-in, fly-out to Queensland up to Suncorp to play against the Reds. Now, um, I think, why don't we just start with our predictions straight away before yep. we actually do our thoughts on how the game might play out. But to start with, I am going to be picking... I think the Reds can win fairly convincingly, so I'm yep. going to go the Reds by about 16. Oh, 16. That is convincing. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think the Reds are just going to be too good for this comp, for this uh, this game. I don't see the Rebels offering up much of a, a challenge, really. So I'm going to go for the Reds by 14. You just watch. Your brother's going to come in and say Reds by 17, and then I'll just hate all of you for sandwiching <laughs> my pick. <laughs> <laughs> He does it every week, and they'll um, win, and they'll get picked, but and they'll win by fourteen, and I'll get the chockies. <laughs> you know, I'd be okay with that if you got it on the nose. That'd be fine. Well, I mean, fourteen—that's two converted tries. How are they going to get six? I don't know. Um, two tries, two penalties. Yeah, but that's hard to just. Like, anyway, care. carry on. Carry on. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> it sounded like a good number. <laughs> so, uh, with the actual game, I'm. I don't think that the Rebels pack is going to be able to keep up with the Reds pack, particularly the quality yeah. of front row. I think that the um, Taniel Tupo is a beast, as we all know, and I don't think the Rebels are going to be able to do enough to prevent him from having enough of a decisive impact at scrum time. To um, I, And I think that'll give the Reds really good attacking um, opportunities and field position and that they're just going to capitalise on it. Their defence was fantastic playing against the Rebels last time. And from there, so since losing to the Waratahs, they've lost the last, they've won the last three games. Yeah. Um, the first was that titanic defensive effort. Then they absolutely ran over the top of the force. And now they've had that really complete victory against the Brumbies. Um, they are the form team of the competition. The Rebels just scraped through. I don't think... Of the that competition? The, yeah, I think so well, of think- the competition. So you think that they're on, on, on their day, which will be next weekend, uh, the weekend after, sorry, the final, you yeah. think that the Reds are a better team than the Brumbies? I think they are the form team. Okay. And so that means okay. they're playing with more confidence and they have the momentum. It's a really hard to kind of 
Uh, it's, it's not like a tangible concept, but they're playing with confidence, they're playing with accuracy, and they're playing with aggression. Yep. And no other team is playing with that level of consistency over the last few weeks. So yep. I think the Reds, I, that's my thought. I'm not saying they're better. I'm saying they are the form team. Okay, yeah, no, okay, cool. Good, good. All right, so that's my, that's my initial thoughts. What about you, mate? Look, I have big question marks about the Rebels. They've scraped into the finals. This is their first uh, experience in the club's history of ever playing in any form of final. So it's a big thing for them. I don't think they've got the forward pack or the back line. They, on paper, they have the back line to do good things. I just don't think that they're, um, they're producing that on the field. Their combinations just don't seem to be there. And, and they're, Tamua is doing well and he's holding the team together. As, he's like, he's basically handing out sticky tape and, and putting them all over the cracks. But I just, I, I don't see, I just don't see them coming up and giving any difficulty to this red side that is just on point at the moment. The, the last two games for the, for the rebels to me is just perplexing. So their approach to the game is particularly. So the, they played the Waratahs. They knew they needed to win that game to knock the Waratahs out of any hope of playing playoffs. They didn't play that well and they got beaten. They Matt Tamua was the only one that sort of kept them within a bonus point at the end there to take that to basically set up what's happened. They go into the game against the Force. They know they only needed to win by four points and it took until the last whistle of the game to be able to do that. A team with confidence and um, drive like we've seen that the Reds have in this game against the Brumbies, would come out there and smash the force. They didn't do that. They just, they were their own worst enemies at times in that second half, just fumbling over the line, dropping the ball. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. There was, again, the weekend before the Waratahs game, I can't even remember who they're playing now, but they, again, dropped a few balls over the try line and sort of were just fumbling again. So I just don't see them being the team that's going to cause any opposition to the Reds. I do think the Reds are going to score a lot of points. The only thing that I would say is that Matt Tamua is a better kicker and the, and the Rebels have a better kicking accuracy than the Reds do. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that might be able to keep them in the game. If, if the um, Reds are going to score tries on through the wings, they might struggle to get those points converted. And if the Rebels can stay in it through penalties, then they might be able to stay in the game. But I just don't think yeah. they've got the the go forward or the drive or the cohesion to get over the line and win this. Yeah. Look, I think your comment about the rebels just needing to play smart. And I hate these uh, analogies when people go, Oh, they just need to play finals football. But realistically what they need to do is take every single point on offer. Yeah. And typically in union, you would be doing that through playing it tight with your forwards and looking for infringements around a ruck. That just reminds me of something I wanted to say before we wrap up. Yep. Go. And I just, I don't see the Rebels having the capacity to be able to actually um, to play that tight game against the Reds. Mm, I think so, yeah. that the, the strength of the front three of the Reds combined with the fact that they finally got the balance of the back three sorted with Wilson at eight, with um, McWright at seven and Wright at, at six. six. Yeah, it just shows the that they're on the ball, hard, high-intensity defensive pressure. And I, yeah, I don't see the Rebels being able yeah. to crack that. I don't or, think they have the consistency of gain line ball to get those little infringements in their favor. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Cool. All right. What did you want to say, mate? I just wanted to say, I, I forgot about this point until you just brought it up then. But one thing that really ticked me off watching the end of this Rebels and Force game was that Matt Tamua took like two minutes to kick that penalty at the end, the, the conversion. He took so long. I know in the rule book, you've got 90 seconds to take the kick. And that's just ridiculous. That is so long. I can't think yeah. of any situation in professional rugby that you would need 90 seconds to be able to take a kick. Unless... You know Great though. I just love that he knew that rule and that he milked it for all it's worth. It shows his intelligence. I, I listened to the oh, Rugby Nation yeah. podcast. Yeah. The captain's call or Rugby Nation's chat here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's very, very articulate, very confident. Yeah, he's very switched I, on. I rate him. I think he should. He may well even be the Wallabies captain um, this year. I'm not sure. Yeah, I would, not, I would not be surprised. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that the reason the Rebels are in the position they are is because of Tamua. He, he yep. knew that he needed to take that kick um, against the Waratahs to deny to get a losing bonus point to be able to stay on the table. So many other players would not even realize. I was sitting in the stands and I didn't realize what was happening. So, um, yeah, he's very smart. But it's just it's so frustrating because if they could have... If, if the game plays on, they kick off. If the Rebel, the Force could get their hands back on the ball and kick a field goal, we'd have a completely different outcome. And I just feel like <laughs> there was there was so much time wasted in that game from the from that last bit there. I just it's just it's frustrating. It just frustrates me. Well, let's end it on a note of frustration, my friend. Uh, <sighs> I think we can our chat here. And yep. um, yeah, mate, I've enjoyed this. This has been fun, and, yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the final next week. It's going to be good. two weeks to go. So we've. The end of the Super Rugby AU competition as it is. Two weeks to go yep. in the finals. And then we're done and dusted. And then who knows if we get any test, international tests to talk about later in the year or we might have to call it early. Who knows? Nah, stay posted on that one. We'll see. Yeah. And we'll see if we can get some special guests onto the pod to help That's us right. wrap up the competition as well. Yeah. It'd be nice to get some people on um, to basically do a wrap-up of the season and to chat about what they took away and what their hopes are for the game moving forward. So yeah, watch this space. I want to put a quick shout-out to everyone out there. Um, both Ando and myself are very one-eyed Waratah supporters, as you probably know from listening to us over the last few weeks. Uh, <laughs> in three weeks' time, we will do a review of the Super Rugby yeah. AU competition. We'd love to hear your thoughts if you're backing the Brumbies or the Rebels or the Force or anything, What your, how you thought your team went, how you thought the competition was. We'd really love to hear your thoughts on it. So it doesn't just feel like us talking about the Waratahs and how great they are. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us, send us a message on um, Instagram or Facebook or any of our social media platforms and just get it in there because we would really love to get um, some opinions from other teams and stuff. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Awesome. Well, let's do that, mate. Let's try and get some more input from people. And uh, yeah, really keen to get back and chat next week once we know a bit more about what the final's actually going to look like. Um, right. I'm predicting Red Brumbies. I'm pretty sure most of the rugby world is. But hey, maybe we're all wrong and the Rebels will step up and Matty Tamua will basically win the game for them single-handedly. And Dave Vessels will be coach of the, War of the Wallabies in um, post... <laughs> Post World Cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you saying? Dave Rennie to get sacked after one year and vessels to replace him. Yeah. That's right. The miracle right. man. Cool. All right. See you, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, send us a tweet at 
at pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week.